Good to see each and every one of you today. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Well, time changed. One hour closer to spring, somebody. I'm ready for that, although it's a little soupy out there right now. A little messy, but praise God. Spring cometh. I'm looking forward to it. How about y'all? Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord today. I believe that you are here by divine uh, purpose. I don't believe that it's by accident. Uh, There may be some of you that woke up today and just went, it's Sunday, and we go to church. There may be others of you today that you're still not awake, even though you're at the church. (laughs) And uh, there may be some that are watching right now online who are wishing that they did get up and get to church. But we welcome you. Those that may be visiting with us today, thank you so much for choosing Resurrection Life Church as your place of worship this morning at least. And we're so grateful that you're here. All of you that are visiting with us online, thank you for checking in today. Whether it's right now live stream or whether it's later on in recorded uh, video thank you for being a part of this. I speak blessings over all of our visitors, both here and online. Can we give them a warm welcome, please? Yes. Amen. This is that time in the service where we give people from all different walks of life an opportunity to give financially into the work of the ministry here. Somebody died? Was there like a holy silence? Somebody... Now Jonathan can get up there and say up here and say the exact same words that I just said, and y'all will go nuts like it was a ball game or something. I get up here and say it's time for the tithe and offering. Oh God! <laughs> but I won't. I won't push you. I mean, you have provoked me. So I'm, I'm going to preach an extra twenty minutes this afternoon. I'm not sure who that is, but I need an usher to go stand by him or something. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> we like to have fun in church, right? No need to come to church and be all, you know, stuck up and, you know, stiff and long-faced and, you know, might as well have a good time. Praise the Lord. Now, some of you may have already given online, and thank you so much for doing that. I know that's the way a lot of people do it nowadays, and many, many of you have already taken care of that. If you haven't, I give you these next couple minutes just to prepare yourself uh, to, uh, to help us out. There are three reasons um, that we carve out a couple of minutes every week to talk about finances, why we create an opportunity for you to give. Now, this is not an opportunity for me to twist your arm to squeeze money out of you. If you think that that's the case, please put your money back in your wallet and keep it. That's not what this is about. This isn't about money. The offering time isn't about money. Maybe you haven't heard that before. It's about worship. It's about loving the Lord Jesus. So one of the three things is throughout the Bible, you're going to find Story after story after story, example after example of where people have honored God with their possessions, whatever that may be, and bringing it to the Lord. And that's one of the first reasons that we give, is to honor God. It's not about 
honoring a man of God or honoring a church or, or honoring your membership or whatever that may be. It's about honoring God. God, I love you. You've given so much to me, and I give a little back. Here's the, the second thing. Giving changes your heart. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes, but it'll change your heart. Amen. Uh, and here's the third thing. Giving fuels the church. It does. It puts gas in the engine for the church to be able to do all that God has called it to do. Now, we don't have a, a money orchard in the back 40 here. How many of you would love to have a, a money tree or two in your backyard? Amen. Wouldn't that be sweet? That'd be, that'd be so incredible. And it's not like the bank. You know, you step up to the bank, you push a little button, and the suction thing, boom. There's the money. Uh, we don't have that button here. Haven't found it online yet. Still looking for the suction button. <laughs> no, this comes, things fuel here. Things are given uh, steam to go forward here because of the gifts of people. You fuel the engine that helps us continue to advance the gospel message, message of Jesus Christ. You do that. This is your church, your church, your church. This is your church. This is the house of the Lord, but this is your house to come worship God. And you make it happen. So thank you. As your pastor, I want to say thank you for believing in the vision. If our ushers will go ahead and stand, um, thank you very much for getting in position. If you are visiting with us today, now granted, we would welcome your gifts, but please, we don't want you to feel in any way, shape, or manner uh, pressured to be a part of this moment. If you want to, by all means, let the Lord bless you in it. We're just thankful that you're here just to enjoy uh, the company of each other and the company of the Lord. Those of you who call Resurrection Life Church your home church, of course, give, and let's put some more fuel in the tank. Can I get a better amen from this quiet church today? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray now over not the offering, but the offerers, those that are giving. Lord, when the, when the money, the checks, whatever it is that goes in the basket, each one of those envelopes, each one of those dollars, whatever it may be, it represents a person who's worked hard to earn their money. And they're saying, I love, love you, Father, I love you, God, and I love my church, and I just want to see more people fall in love with you, so I give today. And I pray, Lord God, that that will be brought back to them, pressed down and shaken together. Oh, I call them blessed in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen, amen. and amen. Ushers, you may go ahead and receive that. Got a couple things we uh, wanted to do today. Cole, do you have that video ready for, we're all set there? couple things that are going on. Keeping Kids Safe, Keeping Kids Safe program is our uh, system by which we put barriers between those that would want to prey upon children and minors to make sure that they can't do it in this house. And anyone who works with minors here at Resurrection Life Church has to go through a very intensive program to be able to have that access. And we want to do every, everything that we can to eliminate every risk factor that may be there. No matter how good we may be at it, it's probably impossible to eliminate every single risk factor. But we are diligent about doing all that we can to make sure that your children are safe when they are here at Resurrection Life Church. Can I get an amen from the house? Amen. 
And so we are having another Keeping Kids Safe program coming up on uh, March 24th. I think that would be uh, two Sundays from today. It'll be taking place during the service. And so if you have an interest in being a part of children's ministry, nursery, youth ministry, any, any area that might work with minors, uh, we are encouraging you to, to get, get connected to that. I believe there's a sign-up sheet out here on the communication table. And so get connected to that. It's good to know that you can bring your kids here and feel safe. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, in April on the 13th, we're having a, ver- a revival of a wonderful event here. It, amen. It's a ve- an event called Grill It and Kill It. Or Kill It and Grill It. Or Run Over It and Bring It to the Church. However you want to put it. <laughs> And so uh, it's coming back. We're excited about it. Uh, it's coming on April 13. Are you ready for that video? Do it. And so I just want to know, when's the last time you've been to a church where a champion from the World Wrestling uh, Federation has been a part of the, the guest speaker? So, yeah, it's, he's an amazing guy. And so he's going to be with us that Saturday night. He's going to bring, bring a great word. But he's also going to be back with us that following Sunday morning as our guest minister here. So tickets are available. And if you have any questions about it, Rob, stand up real quick. This is Rob back here. He's kind of championing the whole thing. You can check in with him, and he'll get you, get you connected to it. Praise God. Amen. This morning, I'd like to pray for somebody before we go to the next part of the service. Jesse, where are you at? You and your family, come on up here. Jesse's getting ready to take off to boot camp tomorrow. Come on, Dad. Come on. It's all right. Come on. Taking off to boot camp. Man, I didn't even know that was happening. Come here for a minute. I want to pray with you. So, Army? Yes. Awesome. Turn around here and face me. No, turn around and face me. I'm gonna, I want to pray for you this for you this way. So, what, you, what are you going to do? Um, infantry, basically. Okay. Pretty much. Awesome. You all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Uh, of course, a former military man. I mean, it just means a lot to me to see young men that step up and say, I want to serve my country, I want to do my duty, and, and uh, I'm going to pray that the Lord's blessings are upon you and your family, and that his providence and his protection will be over you every step that you take, whether you turn to the right or to the left or forward or backward, he is going to be with you all the way, and in fact, I'm going to prophesy over you that every man and young woman that stands around you in the service is going to be blessed and protected and have providence because of you. Can you agree with me on that? Amen. Are you all right? You ready to send your son off to, to be in the army? Yep, yep. 
good to see you. Amen. How you doing, young man? My God, the last time I saw you. you know. It was funny. As soon as they got here, he uh, saw me standing here with the rail, and he's like, man, 23 years ago, that was me with you in the same building. Right here. Yep. Isn't that cool? That's a heritage. That's a heritage. I want to anoint you with oil, and I want to pray over you. Uh, we're proud of you. We believe in you, and we're going to expect great reports. Uh, and know the Lord will be with you every single moment of time throughout this. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I anoint this man, I anoint this couple. Father, as they take on a new assignment, a new journey in life, and I know, Lord God, that you will be with him, with her, with their family, and you will hold him in the palm of your hands. May he know that he is above and not beneath, that he's blessed when he goes out, he's blessed when he comes in, he's blessed when he lays down, he's blessed when he gets up. And everyone around him is blessed because of the Spirit of God in him and on him. And I thank you for that. And thank you, Lord God, for this young man. And I call him blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a big hand. Amen. Now turn around and face everybody. God bless you. Come on, give them a big hand. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Amen. One positive, no more diaper changing for a little while. Somehow I've managed, I don't know how I've managed, I changed an awful lot of diapers when my kids were little, but I've managed somehow to not change a single grandkid's diaper yet. It's the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ right there. Praise God. Oh, no, 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 no. My wife says your day's coming. No. No, no, no. That segues me right into the title of my message today, which is Who's in Charge? If you did not get a handout for this morning's message, raise your hands up high. Our ushers will be delighted to bring you one. And so this is a help to you to kind of engage during the message time, but also to use during the week to go back on and study, study the word out. And we also use it in our life group, which, by the way, this is the last week of life group for a few weeks as we get ready to start up a new session already. And yeah, it goes by fast, and we're excited about our life groups here. We'll talk more about that in the next uh, week or two. And so did you all get your uh, handouts? All right. The title of the message today is Who's in Charge? You, you all, what? <laughs> oh, well, it's supposed to be Who's in Charge? Apparently, y'all are in control. I did that last week. I wrote a message, and I wanted an exclamation point, and to put a question mark at the end. What's it say up there? All right, that's correct. That's correct. Who's in charge? All right. Now, y'all just sit and listen for a few minutes. <laughs> um, did you know that God is interested in your money? 
The whole church went, oh, God, he's preaching about money. Oh, no. Now, he's not interested because he needs it. Because he certainly does not. Our God has deep pockets. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. The gates to his city are made of a single pearl. His driveway is made of gold. That's what it says in here. So he doesn't need your money. He's, he's interested in it because you're interested in it. Because you need it. All right? Now, since you're important to God, then obviously your money's important to God. So you might think, well, this is, this is just a, this is a preaching message to, in order to take up an offering. I already took up the offering. That's already behind us. Now, if you don't amen me during the sermon, I'll take up another offering at the end of the sermon. I'm just, I'm just, oh, friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Good, good. God is interested in you. Therefore, he is also interested in your well-being, <clears throat> in your providence, and in your money. He's interested in how you get it. He's interested in how you spend it. He's interested in how you save it. And he's interested in how you share it. Now, there'll be some folks that are going to say, don't talk about money, preacher. Please, talk about something spiritual. Lead us spiritually. I, I believe that it could be said that there's nothing more spiritual than how you handle your money. Why? Because it is the supreme test of where our heart is. Your wallet is the supreme test of where your heart is actually at. Your checkbook register, your, those of you who don't use that anymore, what you get online, whatever that looks like. It's where your treasure is. That's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. They'll be there as well. Adrian Rogers, he served three terms as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He made this statement. I think it's very powerful, and it's actually number one on your handout. A faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. Think about that for a minute. A faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. Now, money is something that we use every single day. Uh, it's our medium of exchange, whether you use it in the form of cash or whether you use it in the form of card or, or your phone or whatever you may have. In fact, our very survival depends upon money. That's why most people go clock in at a job in the morning and clock out in the evening and hope at the, on Friday or every other week there's a paycheck waiting on them. It is a part of survival. God cares about your money. How can he care about us and not care so intrinsically about the very thing that is tied to our survival? He cares about every little thing. How can Jesus Christ be Lord of all if he's not Lord of your money? See, a lot of people haven't necessarily made Christ Lord of their finances. If, in fact, if he's not Lord of your money, then he's probably not Lord of all in your life. That goes back to that statement that uh, if faith that hasn't reached your wallet uh, probably hasn't reached your heart.
Don't talk about money, preacher. Come on. Don't, you know, and you all know I don't do a lot of messages about finances. I don't do a lot of messages about money, and that's not because I'm opposed to it in any way, shape, or manner. I just think that maybe there's a whole lot of preachers out there that that's all they talk about. Wow, this is a quiet church today. It's all, in fact, I've heard from more than one person. I'm, I quit going to that church because all they ever do is talk about money. All that preacher wants from me is my money. He just talks about money, talks about money, talks about money. So when am I going to talk about money? When the God of all things speaks to my heart and says, this is what you're going to talk about today. And I said, I don't want to. So he says, who's in charge? And he reminds me I work for him. Why is talking about money one of the most spiritual things that we can talk about? And that is because the Bible teaches us that the love of money is the root of all. Everybody say all. Say it again. It says the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of a few pieces of evil. I want you to understand this part of it. We, we quote this scripture an awful lot, and we maybe we miss that word all. 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all evil. What does that say? And this is number two on your paper. If all the evil in this world is directly or indirectly traced back to the love of money, greed, selfishness, then that means there's nothing more spiritual that we can talk, to do, talk about today than you, your attitude and my attitude toward money. And we all have a different attitude about money. Some people are very giving in every aspect of their life. Some people are not giving at all in any aspect of their life. We all have a different, some people give but don't like doing it. Some people give to their own hurt. Because they give more than they can actually afford. I mean, the list can go on about the differences in our attitude toward money. So money is a very important topic for us to actually talk about. It's uncomfortable, and I don't like it when the preacher talks about money. People may say, well, if that's true, then you would not have liked the preaching and the teaching of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the very one whom we call our Christians because of When he walked on the earth, he taught 36 parables, and 16 of those 36 parables had to do with a person's attitude toward finances. Think about that. And did you know that one out of every 10 verses in the New Testament deals with a person's attitude about finances? One out of every 10 verses. There's about 500 verses on faith. There's about 500 verses on prayer. There are over 2,000 verses on money or finances. Don't tell me that a person's attitude about money is not important to God. Remember the story that Jesus told about the widow's might in, in Luke chapter, what, 21? The Pharisees were all there, and they were giving in their, their large amounts in the offering. And this little old lady... She came forward, she gave her last two, it's called mites in the Bible, might call it just two pennies. Let's just bring it home. Brought her last two pennies. Her only two pennies. She brought them. 
And that whole story, if you look at that story in Luke chapter 21, it's about people's attitude toward giving, their heart about giving. If God's not interested in money, then why did he put that in the Bible? Or how about the story of the unjust steward in Luke chapter 16? At the end of that story, Jesus said, you know, if you've not been faithful with your money, who do you expect to commit to you the true riches in life? That whole story has to do with our attitude toward money. If God's not interested in money, then why is that story in our Bible? Or how about in Luke chapter 18, where we hear the story of the rich young ruler? Remember that story? He comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus, what am I to do to be your follower? What, what do I need to do? And Jesus said, sell all you have. Come and follow me. But he couldn't do it. He walked away with his head hung down low uh, because here's why. He didn't own his possessions. His possessions owned him. Okay? He, he was rich. His, the storyline of this cat is he is called the rich young ruler. Had everything, but really everything had him. See, the whole story even here has to do with the attitude toward finances. It's the, what's the, the foundation? Who's in charge? You or God? So clearly God is interested in your money. Not in how much you put in the offering basket. Because that's, that's not a matter of amount. That's a matter of sacrifice. Okay? Are you all following me? For the person who barely has enough money to buy milk for their children, 25 cents is a mammoth offering. For the person who's walking around with, you know, chump change of a million bucks in their pocket so they can buy, okay, wow, did you, hey, sister, did you know your husband's pointing right at you right now? Yeah, oh, you'll receive that. Well, if you got chump change like that, I'll receive it too in the name of Jesus. (laughs) But maybe there's a person who's got, you know, for them, thousands of dollars is chump change, but they throw a quarter in. Are you following me? Which, which gift is God going to be more honored by? The one that's not the amount. Both the same amount, but not equal in the heart of giving. Who's in charge? Clearly, the widow said God's in charge. He gets it all. The rich young ruler, I'm in charge. I keep it all. So I'll tell you who else is interested in your money. Satan. Satan is also interested in your money. And and why is that? Because he wants to keep you in bondage to money. Money is really one of the most important things in life. It always has been. Uh, If you don't believe me, when you leave your wallet in a restaurant somewhere or your purse, most of you don't cry out to God to help you. You almost lose your religion trying to get back to that restaurant or truck stop to get your wallet and your purse. Are you hearing me? I do that for my cell phone. We were out traveling last year, and and I went to the restroom and set my phone down. And uh, I, I, uh, did I leave it there? I left it there, pulling the trailer. Diane could tell you I was having panic attacks. 
I mean, I don't cross the medium. I didn't cross the medium that day either. But I nearly peed my pants till I got back at that place to see if I could just find my phone, let alone my wallet, with my millions of dollars in it. Now, that was a confession of faith. Number three on your paper, did I do number two? Yes. Number three, Satan wants to keep you bound, listen to me now, this is powerful and this is important, by a spirit of poverty. He wants to keep you bound by a spirit of lack. He wants to keep you bound by a spirit of greed. And the best way that he can do that is to affect your attitude towards your money in a negative way. How many of you have ever used flypaper? You remember flypaper? Don't you love to go in a restaurant and see flypaper? Isn't that awesome? I was thinking about this when I was writing the message, and I'm thinking, I'd probably rather see flypaper than be swatting flies away from my food. But anyway, that's not a part of my message. It's just a personal observation. Thank you very much. Uh, as a kid, I remember my grandma would hang flypaper in the house, and it was somewhat curly. And I thought it was Christmas. I mean, if she hung flypaper up, I'm mean, we're going to have a party, you know, something's going on in the house. Uh, and she'd hang it there. And flypaper, you know, it has a surface, a, a sweet, a honey-like substance that is, is very, very sticky. Uh, if you have flypaper, I don't encourage you to go home and lick it just to see if, in fact, it's got a honey-like substance. But here's the principle behind it. The fly approaches, and it says, I want the honey. I want the honey. I want the honey. And he lands, and he begins to eat, and he goes, I got the honey. I got the honey. I got the honey. And then he tries to leave, and the paper says, I got the fly. I got the fly. I got the fly. Many people today are running around and are saying, I want the money. I want the money. I want the money. And before they know it, the money's got them. The money's got them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God is very, very interested in your money. And so is Satan. He's also very interested in your money. But there's one more person who is extremely interested in your money, and it is Y-O-U-U. Yes, you, the only you here on planet Earth, the one and only you, interested in your money. See, this message is not about building a bank account. This message, by title itself, who's in charge, or if you want to use the one on your paper, who's in control, they're both the same thing, is about obedience, and it's about the blessing that comes with obedience. Unfortunately, the fly couldn't read where it said flypaper. But you and I can read what our great Father in heaven instructs us to do as it relates to our finances. But many of us choose to do it our own way and then wonder why we're stuck to the money paper, the flypaper. It controls your life, controls your thinking. For many, it, it, it dictates the peace in your marriage or lack thereof. For a lot of people, it dictates your health or lack thereof. Yeah, money's important, y'all. So it is something I probably should preach about a little bit more because it is that important. And if your faith hasn't reached your wallet, 
then it could be your faith hasn't reached your heart either. This message is about obedience. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, in the New Living Translation, it says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices? In other words, we could say your religious activities. What is more pleasing to the Lord, that you come to church every single week? What is more pleasing to the Lord, that you, just, that you do all of the different religious stuff or your obedience to his voice? He goes on to say, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering, than the offering of, uh, of rams, the fat of rams. What is more important? Your church attendance? Your Bible reading plan? How long you kneel in prayer? And I'm not talking about offering right now. I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about obedience and submission to God. Don't raise your hand on this particular question, but I'm just provoked right now to ask, how many of you ever been in a situation where the Lord spoke to you to give a certain amount and you refused? Don't raise your hands. Because I could raise my hand there. I've been there. Where the Lord told me a certain amount and I cut, you know, I cut it down. Only, well, I, I'll, I'll give this much. Who's in charge in that situation? Right on? So as your pastor, those of you who call me pastor, I want to make sure that every believer that's under my charge is walking in obedience. Not, not giving more in the offerings. This is not what this is about. I'm not going to take an offering. This isn't about getting more money. It's about seeing the people that God has given me charge over walking in more blessings. And being more blessed in their own life. And that comes by walking in obedience. And why would I want to do that? So that I can keep you under my thumb? No. So that I can get more money out of you? No. It's because I want you to enjoy the blessings and the benefits that come through obeying God. And obeying God is not always easy. Sometimes he asks us <clears throat> for things we don't think we can give or are unwilling to give. And he says, I want to know, has your faith reached your heart? Has your faith reached your wallet? Which one is most connected to me? And he's saying, what? I want your heart. I'm, there's a whole lot of people that give their wallet with the wrong heart. And God doesn't honor that giving. Churches spend it. And I don't even want you tithing or putting in offering with your heart connected to something else altogether because you won't be blessed from it. Will we use it? Sure. We'll buy lights and toilet paper and all the things that we need to have around. And aren't you glad we buy toilet paper? <laughs> Apparently that person's having a problem this morning. It's about, I want to see the people of God blessed and how many of y'all want to be rolling in the dough you want to can i hear you rolling in the just rolling in the dough rolling rolling yeah well i mean i'd love to have money too but the the abundance of it or the lack thereof doesn't change my view of my god and my worship of my god 
And may abundance of money never take my attention off of my God. The problem that a lot of people aren't rolling in dough is because God knows you better than you know you. And if you had that much dough to roll in, you'd be a holy roller. You know what a holy roller is, right? That's the person who hits the snooze alarm on Sunday morning and rolls back over and goes to sleep a little bit longer. So I want to make sure that you have all the benefits and all the blessings that the Word of God has for you. And it is replete with amazing blessings and benefits to those who willingly obey what the Father has to say to us. And how can I make sure that you obey? I can't. It's not my job. I'm not the warden. It's not my job. My job is to come up here and preach the word of God and teach you the heart of God and the principles of God and pray for you and believe in you. And, and when you fall and get scraped up to pick you up and help you out and wipe the dirt off of you and help you get back on track again and love you. Uh, and, and that's my job. Okay. But I am still inclined by the Spirit of God to preach the truth of the Word of God to you, whether you like it or not. The only time I ever bruise you is probably on a Sunday morning when you get the message. and It's not me bruising you. It's, it's I'm about to bruise you. It's, it's, it's your lack of obedience that puts you in a position to go, wait a minute, I didn't like what he just said. So I can't make you. I wish I could because... God's perfect will for you is to pour out his blessings. God is not a withholder. No, no, no. God is, he pours out. He wants to pour out his blessings upon you like you've never dreamed. That's our God. He wants to bless you like you've never dreamed. He wants you to know that greater things are coming for you than you've ever imagined. That's God. I, I, I just get this picture that the Father in heaven is just constantly on the edge of his seat wanting to bless but unable to because his word binds him to not be able to for people that are being disobedient to him. He's just waiting for you to take a step of faith and to do something out of the ordinary for him. Oh, he's a blessing God all the way. Amen? Your future is bright as it relates to the promises of God. Uh, now I'm going to share with you one of the most important words in the whole Bible. It's two letters. If. Your future is as, as bright as it can possibly be as it relates to the promises of God if you obey. If you obey. Amen? I'll preach again next Sunday. If you say amen at least once. Come on. All right. I'm preaching next Sunday anyway, so... So I, I, it's not my job. I, I can't make everybody walk in obedience. I, I'm not the fruit inspector. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't go around inspected by Pastor Rick qualifying for special blessings from the Lord God Almighty. No, 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 no. That's not my job. You know, some churches these days, literally, they hold people accountable to the tithe, even requiring them to report in how much money they make so that those who are following it know whether or not they're actually tithing. Aren't you glad I don't do that? I don't do that. No, 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 no. I don't do that. Uh, and I don't agree with that method at all. But yet, studies have been done that reveal a very startling statistic. And that is that only 3 to 
of people who regularly attend a church actually tithe. That's the study across all uh, denominations across America, that of those who regularly attend church, only 3% to 7% actually tithe. And people, I just want you to know, that's not tithing. That's tipping like you're going to, a, you know, a, tipping a bad waiter in a truck stop. I mean, that's what that's like. When you choose to say, I'm not bringing it back to God, then you're basically saying, here's a tip. Let me tip you, God. You served me well this week. Thanks a lot, dude. You're an awesome waiter. Here's a tip. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want your tip. And he, he doesn't want your tithe. And he doesn't want your offering. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. And when you have a heart that says you're in charge, you'll give everything if that's what he asks you. And it will not be easy. It will not be easy. The word tithe literally means a tenth or 10%. And here's a news flash, number four on your paper. Both tithes and offerings are a part of God's perfect plan for you. Let me just interject. It's not set up as God's most ominous command to you. It's set up as God's perfect plan for his children, the perfect financial plan for his children, the perfect business plan for his kids is the system of tithes and offering. He provided for us a method of giving which is completely fair and completely equal to everyone who will obey no matter how much you make or no matter how much you put in the basket. <clears throat> if you're obeying the voice of God, that's what he wants more than anything else. God does not have an accountant in heaven calculating your tithe. He does, not have, he does not have a financial team. You know, God's the CEO, but he's got a CFO up there, chief financial officer that's following all your stuff. Got a spreadsheet on you, Dale. I got Dale's attention. <laughs> no. No, man, he, he's looking at your heart. I'm just going to use you for an example for a minute. And he's saying, I got 90% of that guy's heart, but he's holding 10% back. And it breaks his heart because he wants all of your heart. Let me ask you something, sister. I don't feel like picking on you. You better lean because I'm about to ask her a question. Okay. How would you like it if you only had 90% of his heart? You wouldn't? Would you give him 100% of your five-fold ministry? But that's what we do to God. We think we're all holy and we're all that. And we're, boy, boy, oh, yeah. And we're saying, God, yeah, I'm just dating you. I got other dates. You're my favorite. But I got others. Okay, I better get on to the message. See, you went and provoked me, brother. So, no, I can't make sure everybody's walking in obedience, but I can sure make sure to preach it like God said it. 
And I don't work on commission. You, you know what I mean? Bigger the offering, the more money I get. I don't work on commission. And I'm not stockpiling money. I mean, I get a paycheck. I work here. This is my job. And aren't you glad you get a paycheck where you work? Amen. Praise God. But no, this is like the special pastor fund. Going to buy him a new Jaguar. That was a confession of faith, just so you know. No. That's not, what, that's not how it works. I don't work on commission, so preaching a message like this isn't so we can get more money. Uh, please, I pray that you, if you hear anything today, preaching like this is not so we can get more money. I want to see you blessed in all of your life, and you should want that too. Well, there's something attached to that promise and that blessing in your life, and it's the tithe and the offering. So here's the who's in charge principle. This morning, by the way, that was my introduction. I'm ready to preach now. My introductions are always longer than anything else. The preaching part's just a couple minutes. This morning, I want to share with you one of the main reasons that being obedient to bring the tithe and to give in the offerings is an important, integral part of your Christian journey. Being obedient to bring tithes and to give an offering shows who's actually in charge in your life. This is important. Now, there are three groups that are sitting in this room right now. Yes, even here at Resurrection Life Church. I love the silence. It's amazing. Group one. It's all mine. I worked for it. I earned it. I deserve it. I can do with my money whatever I want because it belongs to me. And when the offering plate goes by, this group says, I can give if I want to. And I don't have to if I don't want to. If I feel led to give a dollar, I will, and it's all mine, and I'll do whatever I want with it. It's mine. Group one. Group two. Well, I'll give God my 10%. Usually those people actually spell God, G-A-W-D. I'll give God my 10%, but the rest is mine. I'll be obedient if I have to, whatever. And I will grudgingly give my 10%, but with the rest, you leave me alone and you get your hand out of my money bag. Don't bother me. Quit asking me for more money. In fact, I'm out of here because you're talking about money. Group one. I won't ask how many. Raise your hand if you're a member of group one. Go ahead. Group two, no, no, raise your hand. Then there's group three. It all belongs to you, Father. Group one, it's mine. Group two, well, I'll give the tithe, but the rest is mine. Leave me alone. Group three, it's all yours, Daddy. The tithe and all the rest that he's blessed me with, it's all his. And I return to him what he asked me in my heart. And I entrust him to bless me with the rest of his money. There's an attitude we, many Christians do not have. Many Christians have this attitude that I'll bring that 10%, but the 90% is mine. It's all his. He just entrusts you 
with the rest of it, to be a good steward of it. And just because I return the tithe, that doesn't give me the right to do whatever I want. I still have to be a good steward of all that God has given me. Everything. 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 So there's a radical difference between the first two groups and the third. And the first two says, I'm the owner, and I'll share some of it with God. The last group says, he's the owner, and he shares some of it with me. That's the difference in the heart factor right there. The third says, it's all God's, and he shares with me. That's a heart that says, you got 100%, God. You got 100%, Lord. Can I get an amen? And that's the who's in charge principle. Here's your hallelujah moment in closing. The hallelujah course went off in the heavens. Pastor Rick's done preaching. <laughs> so I ask you today, who's in charge? Don't answer. Who's in charge? You or God? I'm not the one to answer that for you. In any way, shape, or manner. That's between you and God. Let me just help you. God knows already. He already knows. Are you holding on because it's all yours or are you letting go because it's all his? For God so loved the world that he gave a little bit of what he had. For God so loved the world, he gave the world 10% of the sun. It's not about the percent, y'all. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He didn't withhold anything from you or I. His heart is for you. Let me close with this simple illustration. And then, how many, how, do you all still love me? Still love me? All right, good. One of you are taking me out for chicken. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, not really. I'm just kidding. Let me close with this illustration. In Africa, and this is a great way to talk about chicken, <laughs> there's a monkey, a certain monkey that's a delicacy to eat. Y'all hungry now? You ready? You hungry? There's this monkey, and it's a delicacy to eat, and they have a proven method for capturing this particular monkey. They build a box, and they cut a hole in the side of the box, and then they fill the box with nuts and with fruits, and the hole is just big enough for the monkey to slide his hand into, and he slides his hand in there, and he reaches in there and finds the nuts and the fruit, and he grips it with his fist, and then tries to pull his hand back out, but his hand won't come out because it's now not a, it's a, it's a fist. He refuses to let go of the fruit and the nuts and is trapped right there. That's how they walk up to it and then hit it over the head so they can barbecue it for lunch. That monkey is more interested in monkey side than getting free. Wants to get free. Only one person in the whole house, my son-in-law, Steve, got that one. There's <laughs> undoubtedly people here today that are committed to um, 
doing financial suicide because they won't let go of the tithe. They won't let go of the offering. They've reached their hand into the box of life and they've grabbed all they can get and they're holding it so tight that they're now easy prey for the enemy to make money an idol, to make money the source, to make money the provision, to, ma to make sure that money's in charge. I don't know about you, but I've had my days where money ruled my life. Can I get a witness? And I've had my days, praise God, when I've been free from that old demon. So I want you to ask yourself that question today, who's in charge? Show God that he's in charge of your life. Show God that he's in charge of your finances. Show God that he's in charge of your business. Show God that he's in charge of the job you work on, whether you work for $8 an hour or $14 an hour or $1,400 an hour. Yeah, baby. Show him that he's the Lord of all your life, not just 10% of it. I believe in the tithe, but I'd rather you didn't tithe at all than to tithe with your heart in the wrong place. Won't be many preachers that'll say that. Because many preachers can't keep their programs going on without your tithe. I appreciate your tithe. I appreciate your blessings. But I'd rather you be blessed. And I would rather God have all your heart. Because when he has all your heart, you're going to tithe anyway. Show God. Show God who's in charge. And... Show that other interested character. Show Satan who's in charge. Get in his face and say, you're not in charge of my life anymore. Get your hands off my money. Get your hands off my livelihood. Get your hands off my finances. Get your hands off my business. Get your hands off my job. And show somebody else. Show yourself. Show yourself. Kick Satan in the teeth and take a knee before the creator of the universe. A faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. This isn't for me to leave you with some profundity that says, oh, oh my gosh, i got to really search my heart all week. No, let the Holy Spirit do that for you, but I do entreat you to consider that statement. Faith that hasn't reached my wallet probably hasn't reached my heart. God is interested in your money because he's interested in you. Can you say amen? If you can believe it and receive it, would you give a lo the Lord a praise in the house of God today? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'd like to ask you to bow your head for a moment. Close your eyes. I always say this, and I, I really do mean it. Bow your head, close your eyes in respect to everyone else in the room and in, in reverence to God Almighty. And I want to give you an opportunity
to give all of your heart to Father God. All of your heart. Every bit of who you are. For many of us, money is a very private issue. How much we make, how much we have, how much we give. It's a very private issue. So this altar call today is a very private issue. Just like I can't make sure that you choose God to be in charge, and I'm not the Lord over anybody, I'm not the boss of you. I don't need you to respond to me. I need you to respond to God. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that there are people sitting in this room right now who this message has affected. Some of you are going, I don't like what he says. Some of you are going, well, I get it, but I can't do it. Some of you are going, man, I never saw it like that. I really need to make a change. That's between you and God right now, and I want you to work that out even in this moment while I'm talking. Work it out between you and God. I don't need you to raise your hand. I don't need you to stand. I don't need you to run up here to the front and shake my hand. This is about you working out something with God. So that he knows without a shadow of a doubt that he's got all your heart. And not just 10% of it. Or whatever that percentage may be. Some of you have withheld from God for far too long. And this isn't a preacher who's going to stand in front of you and go, you're stealing from God. If you're stealing anything from God, you're stealing from him his great pleasure in prospering you. If you're stealing anything from God, you're stealing from Father God the opportunity to bless your socks off. He he don't want your money. He wants your heart. Only you know your heart. And even then the Bible says man doesn't know his heart well. God knows your heart though. This is that moment in time in this service right now where you're going to need to make an appeal right here in the old ticker in the heart that says, God, forgive me for the times that I've withheld. Forgive me for the times that faith, I thought faith was in my heart, but it really hadn't overcome my wallet whether that be in my business or just in my personal life. And this is your opportunity to personally make that right. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Father, forgive me for holding back. Forgive me for being fearful. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to work this out while I talk. I don't think a lot of, I think there's a lot of people that are in a category that says, I, I don't give. I'm, I'm not not giving because I'm selfish. I'm not not giving because of that. I'm scared. I'm fearful. I'm afraid if I do, I won't be able to make it. I'm afraid to. And I just pray that you'll give God your whole heart. He'll make sure that all fear will be cast out. Don't be afraid. Trust him. Trust him. What a great moment we're having right now where each of us works this out in our heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for every single single individual in this room. Many who 
are very good tithers and givers, but maybe still have reserved a small part of their heart for themselves. Many who have never stepped out to give it a try are scared. They don't know if it'll work. Oh, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch their hearts to let them know it'll be all right. That you're interested in them. You're watching out for them. And I pray that there won't be a single person in this room that will leave today feeling like they're holding back any part of their heart. But they're giving their whole heart to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. I've had a lot of fun being with you today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to bring the Word of God to you and teach you the heart of what the Lord is speaking. And we also thank you, all the visitors that are with us today. So glad that you chose to be with us. Uh, we would love for those that are first-time visitors today, uh, either first time or you've come a couple times, but you've never had a chance to come back to the uh, newcomer's room to meet with Diane and I. Uh, we'd love to have an opportunity to meet with you, talk to you for a couple of minutes. And so there's a room around the corner that says pray right over the door. Our ushers will help you find your way there. But come on over and visit with us for a couple minutes and let us get to know you. And let's give all of our, our guests another warm welcome today. Yeah, awesome. And we had the altar prayer ministry team up earlier, but I'd like to invite them back again. They'll be standing up here to the right and uh, to the left. And they'll just be up here for a few minutes as we, uh, after we dismiss. We invite you if, you, if you want prayer for anything, to come on up. And, of course, it, it'll obviously be a lot quieter now than it was during our worship time. And so this is a great time to receive prayer as well for whatever reason. They'll hang out here for a few minutes, and then they'll come on back and fellowship and have coffee and such. Speaking of which, come visit in the cafe and get yourself a coffee, fellowship together for a little while, and uh, praise the Lord. Can you stand with me? I want to send you out blessed. I call you blessed today in the name of Jesus. I pray that you have uh, a supernatural abundance in your life. I pray that you have supernatural health in your life, supernatural providence, supernatural protection from the great King of Kings. May it be yours. Go today in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.